Please remain standing as we continue worship with a reading from Matthew 7. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Please say hello to someone next to you as you have a seat. Okay. Now to the important stuff. Uh, We gave Chris the week off this week, uh, and so we have the pleasure of hearing from our good friend and my best friend, honestly, Gary Abraham. So that best friend thing only works one way for Mike, because he's certainly not not my best friend. All right, uh, folks, look, I'm always excited to come and share with you guys, and I've probably said this before, but it's more every time I get an opportunity to share and I dig into the Word and develop one of the many notes I have and topics I have, I, it kind of is more for me, and so I figure like, well, if I'm learning something and I share it with you guys, then um, you know, hopefully you can learn something as well. So Chris had emailed a couple weeks ago and said, uh, you know, that... He wanted somebody to share the word, so my response to his email was, I'm down. And then I thought about it, and it's like, well, you probably don't know what that means. So (laughs) I'm going to translate that. I said, Chris, that means, yes, I will do it. So um, what I'm going to be talking to you about today is humility is my topic. Um, But as I do, I was trying to title this sermon or this message, and I came up with, uh, who are you thinking about? And then again, I remembered where I am, so I'm going to rephrase that. Who are you thinking about? Who are you thinking about? want to make sure that everybody uh, understands that. So I'll get to this in a minute, but if you have your iPad or your Bible or your phone, just turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 1 through 19 in a little bit. But since I had decided I was going to be talking about humility and who are you thinking about, uh, the way God works is he just, you know, floods you with all this stuff that's, you know, happening in your mind, and he presents opportunities to you. So at the beginning of the week, I had a, a car appointment. I made an appointment to with my service shop and said, I'll be there at whatever time, and, you know, they put it on the books. And as I got there that morning, they said... Uh, Well, Mr. Abraham, you know, we're not going to be able to take you at your appointed time. We have several other appointments that are in front of you. So, you know, do you want to wait for the car or you want to, you know, leave it with us? So my first thought was, okay, the reason I made an appointment 
is because I didn't want to, you know, leave it with you guys. I want to, you know, just get it done and go. And then something came over me. I'm talking about humility. And I looked at all the other people there. And the lady said, you know, there's several appointments. We're running behind that are in front of you. And they're here waiting as well. So I just thought something just came over me. It was like, oh, well, you know, those people are, you know, they're late. I'm going to be late. No big deal. So I called my wife, my beautiful wife. I said, shoe fan. I said, uh, you know, I, I got my car here. I'd like for you to pick me up so I can go home and be productive instead of just waiting. They're, it's going to be over an hour before they're able to pull the park back. She said, did you have an appointment? I said, I absolutely did. You know, well, that is unacceptable is what she said. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, yeah, it is a little unacceptable, but, you know, um, can you pick me up? Well, I'm at a doctor's appointment. I'm not going to be able to pick you up. Well, I would go up there and I would tell them that this is unacceptable and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I said, well, shoot, what about, you know, all the other people that are in front of me, you know? And, you know, she says, yeah, yeah, that matters. But, you know, they said 10 o'clock, they need to see you at 10 o'clock, you know? So anyway, what came over me was in that moment, I thought initially, my initial thought was, yeah, I'm thinking it all about me. But I thought like, wow, these other people, you know, I'm going to humble myself and, you know, just allow these other people, you know, they're probably as mad as I should be or whatever. I'm going to let them, you know, uh, have their, uh, you know, get their car in. It's no big deal. I'll wait. So um, that was my little lesson on humility this week, you know, like, you know, putting others before myself. So let me go ahead and define humility for you. Uh, the dictionary says it's the quality or condition of being humble, which doesn't tell you a whole lot because you might not know what humble means, right? Okay, so it's a modest opinion or estimate of one's own importance, rank, value, etc. Okay, so in layman's terms, I like to think of it like this, that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. Hence the question, who, who you thinking about or who are you thinking about? Which one you got? Who you thinking about? Who you thinking about? Okay, hence the question. So humility is the opposite of pride. And we, I think we've kind of hit on pride a lot, you know, in messages here. Um, pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. And I think if we we're honest, we all would say that we have you know, a lot of pride, and not all the time, not good pride. Pride prevents us from doing what is right, even though we know what is right. And humility kind of, you know, lessens ourselves and encourages us to do what is right and what we know is right. So now I'll read from Second Kings. I'm going to share a story about Naaman, and some of you may know that story. It's a very interesting story. Uh, and I hope to show you what humility, uh, how humility works its way into this story. Second uh, Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 19. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. 
I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? So now he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped by and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Far Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elijah said, after Naaman had traveled some distance. So this story, you see that Naaman had, had asked, you know, he, wanted, he had leprosy, which is a kind of a big deal back then. I think a leprosy is like short fingers, you know, and you don't have your, your fingers and your limbs and there's stuff all over your body. But Naaman wanted to be healed. And he understood that, you know, he could be healed by, by God or he thought the king could do it. The king got mad. The king said, like, well, you know what? Who does this guy think I am? I'm not going to, you know, uh, I can't do anything for him. So Elijah, who was a prophet at the time, you know, said, well, send him to me. I'll do it. So to sum up the story, really what happened was when Naaman went and Elijah sent his servant, Naaman thought he was, you know, what is this servant going to do for me? You know, I want the man of the Lord. He's the one that can heal me. He lost total sight of the fact that he wanted to be healed. He didn't hear the message of dipping himself, you know, going into the Jordan River seven times to be cleansed because he was too focused. He was looking at who directed him to do the, uh, uh, who, who was sent for him to be cleansed 
rather than being cleansed. So he took his eyes off the main thing and started looking at the who in it. And so through his pride, he was like, I'm, he, he got mad and he ran away and said he's, he's not going to do it. So, of course, somebody talked him into it. He went and he did it and he got cleansed. So the lesson in this is that Naaman, you know, he, once he humbled himself and did what the prophet said, that he was cleansed. You know, so this story of humility expresses the power of admitting that you are willing to receive God's intervention. Now, it doesn't matter how you receive God's intervention. It just, rem- it just matters that you receive God's intervention. So Naaman was no ordinary man. He was high and mighty, you know, even though he had leprosy, you know, in his community. And because I would, you know, imagine because of his stature in his community that he thought he was too big, too important, you know, to receive instruction, you know, from a servant. And so that's the, the lesson in humility, you know, from that story. Um, the help that his female, uh, that the female sl- slave told him to meet Elisha, that's another uh, lesson in hum- humility. It was a female slave that told him to go to, to meet Elijah, who was the Hebrew prophet at the time. And so once he, you know, could lessen himself, stop thinking about himself so much and listen to people that were lesser than him in his mind, you know, he was cleansed. Um, I have another story that my lesson in humility just two weeks ago, um, what humility calls for you to do is to say a couple of words that most of us probably don't want to say, you know, I was wrong, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I felt, I got really offended because a close friend of mine in my circle had, um, his wife was having surgery and nobody in the circle knew about it. And so through Facebook and one of my friend's wife who was on Facebook saw that there was a meal train going on for my friend's wife. And he called me and he said, did you know that, you know, I'm not going to call any names, but did you know that whoever was having surgery? And I'm like, no. No, he didn't say surgery. He said, there's a meal train going on for whoever. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I I have no idea. I said, but I'll find out. So I called my buddy, and he said, yeah, yeah, you know, she's had had a tumor at the base of her brain, and, you know, she's having surgery, and, well, she's had the surgery now. She's in recovery. And quite frankly, I, I went off, quite frankly. Like, what? How can you go through this by yourself? And I let him have it. You know, we're supposed to be buddies, you know, where he's part of my accountability group. We meet once a month. We have a little, you know, Bible study. We pray together. And so the fact that he didn't share this with anybody really, really upset me. Um, And so I pulled no punches. I told him about himself, you know, and how I felt about it, you know, and he was very receptive to it, you know, (laughs) but I, quite frankly, my offense I I lost sight, like Naaman, of the big picture, which was supporting his wife and trying to support him through, you know, this period he was going to. And in my mind, I'm just mad and I'm like, okay. And I wasn't mad at him per se because we still talked and whatever. But what I neglected to do was to call his wife, check on his wife, none of that stuff. And when I was fussing at him, I'm like, you know, you're at the hospital for days. There are things to be done at your house. You know, I'm finding out about this meal train through Facebook. You know, it's just not fair. And pretty much just got wrapped up in my own eyes and in my own feelings, okay? And so a week or so later, a couple weeks later, actually, 
I happened to run into them. We were at it was Super Bowl Sunday, and his wife came to me and said, uh, and said, Gary, you know, um, you didn't even you didn't even check on me, you know, the whole while I was down. And I was like, oh wow, you know. And truth be told, Shupin had asked me a couple times, when are we going to cook for him? When are we going to go visit? And I pretty much just dismissed her, you know. You know, they didn't want us to know anyway, so that was my attitude, you know. And so uh, after she talked to me about it, and I became defensive, just to be transparent, I was like, well, I'm not even supposed to know about, you know, your, uh, you know, your surgery or whatever. And then she said, well, now did you, but you do know, is the fact, you do know, and you didn't, you didn't call. And I, you know, I kind of blew it off. I don't want to watch a football game, okay. So I went home that night. I have a habit of trying to, you know, one of the things that I've really valued about this church, one of the things Chris and Scott have always done here is during communion, they tell you, you know, catalog your whole week, go through, see what you've done well, celebrate your successes, you know, and kind of pray about, you know, where you fell short. And I got conviction came over me like, I mean, just very, very heavy, you know, that night. And so I was like, wow, I'm like, how petty was that, Gary, you know, not to, you know, I lost sight of the whole thing. So I got up the next day and I called him and I said, uh, I said, you know, I said, I owe you guys an apology. I honestly owe you guys an apology. I'm so sorry. I can't even believe I got sucked into that, you know, but I told him exactly how I felt. I said I was being petty. I was being, you know, I got caught up in my own feelings and I said, I totally lost sight of, you know, your surgery and how we could help, which is the reason I was mad. How crazy is that, right? Because I wanted to help, you know. And so, um, just, so I, I apologized and, um, you know, I called, I, called, I called him, I called his wife, and I called my other two buddies because I got mad at them too because when I talked to them, they said, oh, it's no big deal that he didn't share. And I said, what? Like, I mean, obviously you guys don't think that this brotherhood is as serious as I think it is. So I'm just going to step back, you know, because you guys don't think this is serious. I'm going to step back. I see that we're kind of superficial friends. We're not really as deep as I thought. And I mean, I really went left. Okay. I really went left. So I called my other two buddies. I apologized to them too. So that was a a big lesson in humility for me. I want to go back to the two readings that we had this morning. And I want to highlight a a couple of things. Um, In Philippians chapter two, um, I'm going to read uh, verses starting from verse three. It says, do nothing out of selfish amb- ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, va- value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. The first part of this says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What that tells me is we need to check our motives. We need to check our motives for everything that we do. Sometimes we do good things you know, things that may be praiseworthy. But if your motive is not genuine, we're not representing Jesus. If the motive is self-centered, if it's so you would look, you know, big in the eyes of man, 
we're not, we're not representing Jesus, despite, you know, doing the, the, the good thing. You know, it says, rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So who are you thinking about? Are you thinking about yourself in every situation? Are your wants and your needs more important than everybody else? I'm going to take a moment to shout out Davida and Holly and everybody that ran the youth, the youth uh, uh, conference a couple weekends ago. What an what a awesome, awesome event. Awesome event. And again, full transparency, Liz asked me to be a part of that. She said we were looking for male volunteers. And quite frankly, I was like, I don't do kids, right? That's not what I do. <laughs> you know. But I did tell Liz, I said, Liz, I said, I'll pray about it and I'll see. The, ne- the very next morning as I'm having my quiet time, and truth be told, the reason I didn't want to do it because I knew like, well, Friday night is a big high school soccer night. I got major games Friday night, right? So I, I love doing, you know, the varsity games on Friday night. And as I was doing my quiet time the next morning, I thought, wow, you, you're putting soccer over investing in youth. And I think I texted Liz probably at 4.30 in the morning. And I said, I'm in, you know, I'm in. And as God would have it, I would doubt that any youth in that conference got more out of that conference than I did, honestly. You know, I had a blast. And I even told Liz, you know, before I left, I said, thank you so much for inviting me. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was very, very awesome. Because, again, it says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So my initial thought should have been, I would suppose, when Liz asked me, oh, I'm in, because I, I should be investing in the youth. But sadly, that was not my initial thought. I wanted to do my high school soccer game, and, you know, so... That's it. Let's go on. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So many times what I get, what what I perceive out of church and through my relationships is that we tend to put church in a bottle of our relationship with Jesus. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, but if I can go and hide in my closet and just pray and not have to deal with anybody and just deal with Jesus and get, you know, and commune with Jesus, that I can carry on in life and I'll be okay. Sadly, that's not the case. We got to deal with people, right? Every single day, we're going to be encountered by someone. You know, we're going to think about someone. So, I think it's very key here that it says in your relationships with others, because there will be relationships with others. We need to value their interest above ours. Okay, what, what a hard thing to do. What a hard thing to do, but that's what we're called to do. And then it goes on to say, we need to be like Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. What that tells me is that whatever position you're in, whatever title you have, that just because you have the authority, that you have the power, doesn't mean that you need to use that to your advantage, okay? You absolutely, again, value people above yourselves. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. What God's, we see it throughout the Bible, you know, Jesus has kind of just flipped the whole mentality of what it means, you know, to be a leader. 
It's not, you know, the first shall become last and the last shall become first. You know, that's how, that's Jesus's mindset. And then it goes on to say, in him being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we shouldn't take that lightly. Obedient, how did Jesus humble himself? Here he is, mankind had sinned against God. And Jesus took the burden of all of that. He humbled himself. He didn't have to. But he humbled himself because of his love for me, for you, for everybody that we know. And not only did he humble himself to become a man and a servant, he experienced death on a cross because he loved us so much that he experienced, you know, probably the most painful kind of death, humiliating kind of death, you know, that was at the time. And yet, when we're in these little, as I have been, you know, for the last couple weeks in these stories I share, you know, little, you know, things that don't even compare to that, and yet I'm so full of my own self that I can't, you know, humble myself to do the right thing. You know, that's where we need to be. That's where we need to be. Uh, In Matthew chapter 7, it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, why is that important? Because if this, what I'm speaking about here, humility, if it was easy, I think everybody would do it, right? The easier things in life come, everybody does it. There's no sacrifice there's, there's no lowering of yourself. There's no suppressing, you know, any of your pride or anything like that. So that's the, that's the narrow gate. Humility is part of the narrow gate. If you want to really follow God, you cannot follow God without being humble. Following God, you have to have some humility. Because God says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does, my, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And we know that God's will for us is to be humble. And how do we know that? Because Jesus was humble. And Jesus is the star that we follow. Jesus is who we, 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 we are trying to emulate. And everything we do, we're trying to emulate Jesus. Even though we may not get there, that's our goal. That's where we should, we, we should definitely um, try to go. I did a little research on humility. Some of this is what you would call secular. Some of it is spiritual. But I think all of it is useful. So I want to cover what humble people look like, what they do. So I have, you know, a little bit here, um, and then we'll wrap up. So humble people are willing to be obedient no matter what the cost. And I'd like for you, as I read through these, to just... Kind of take a look at yourself, turn your eyes inward, and just ask yourself the question, you know, who are you thinking about? You know, are you humble? Is there growth to be found in this area for you? Okay. Uh, humble people care more about the rights of others before themselves. Humble people are servants. Humble people don't care who gets the credit. Humble people put others before themselves. Humble people do not write or read their own press releases. Humble people protect others. Humble people are gentle. Humble people are like children. Humble people are quick to forgive. Humble people are thankful. Humble people treat others with respect. 
Humble people have tender consciences and are quick to repent. Humble people are quiet. They know when to speak and when to be silent. Humble people see their weaknesses and readily admit them. Humble people are patient and don't get easily frustrated with others. Hi, Gary. Hi there. <laughs> Humble people ask for help and, are they, and they are not know-it-alls. Humble people can rejoice and weep with others. Humble people are peacemakers. Humble people have a deep abiding walk with God. Humility, Riverstone, is a key trait in following Jesus. And when we think about all our relationships, what I really want everyone to think about and to come out of here with today is that when you think about your relationships and how you behave and even your thought processes, is it all about you or is it about other people? And if we're honest, I think, you know, I'm honest, too many times it's about me. It's about what I want, it's about what I think, what I feel, it's about what I think is right, and it's totally dismissing you know, everybody else's feelings or what they need, what they may need. And I would say as Christian people, that's one of the biggest things that we, you know, we need to self-correct. Because if we're out here and trying to spread the love of God, that we profess we're Christians, we want to follow Jesus, that's one of the, the characteristics of Jesus that I think we need to clothe ourselves with more than, you know, some others. So humility allows you to see your weakness and embrace God's strength. It allows you to see your insufficiency and embrace his adequacy. It allows you to see your poverty and embrace his riches. It allows you to see your sin and embrace his righteousness. It allows you to see your lack and embrace his supply. Humility is not measured by what you do or don't do. It is not measured by what you say or how you look. Humility is the attitude and disposition of your heart. It is measured by surrender, your obedience, your faith, and your complete dependency on God. Second Chronicles 7.14, and I didn't, that just came to mind, so give me a chance here. I'll pull it up on my phone. But humility is part of what God, um, in, in that verse, what, what, uh, what it's talking about. It says, and my Wi-Fi here is really slow, really slow. But I'm going to try to quote this, okay? I'm going to try to quote this because I used to know this verse at some time. It says, 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people would humble themselves and pray... And seek my face, maybe something else in there, uh, then I will, huh? And humble right, if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek, their, seek my face, um, right, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That's a paraphrase, okay? Um, but there's a reason that humble yourself is in there with pray, with prayer, Seek your face and turn from your wicked ways. 
So they're all in alignment there. So in order to pray, in order to seek his face, in order to turn from your wicked ways, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. The very fact that we're professing to be followers of Christ, there's humility in that. There's humility in that. So Riverstone, I, I hope this has been, uh, I have uh, one other thing to share, but what I want to do, I want to uh, call Matt up. And I think Chris, is Chris still around? Is Chris still around? Yeah, Chris is going to conduct communion. And then I will close after communion with a, with a short thing about a, a wrap up on humility. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Gary. This is part of our worship service where we come to the communion table every week. All believers are invited, y'all. But before we do, as Gary noted, uh, every week we make it a habit uh, to bring our successes and our failures before the Lord. So right where you're at, right where you're sitting, um, just get comfy. And let's just spend some time in prayer and ask God, man, here's a prayer for you. Sift, sift my heart. Like, see if there's any offensive way in me. Right? This is from the Psalms and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's just, let's just pray that together. So let's pray together. I'll get us started, then I'll just give you a few seconds. Lord, thank you that your word um, it has so much authority, Lord. It comes and divides what it talks about, like, you know, marrow from bone, and um, sifts our heart and reveals to us areas that we're just walking in pure death, Lord. Um, pride, pride was the original sin, right? So Father, would you just help us now admit and acknowledge areas of pride in our own hearts and lives? God, areas that where insecurity has driven us to be cruel to others, Lord. God, areas where we feel unsafe and so we lash out at people. Um, Father, would you come, Holy Spirit, would you secure us in your love as we just sit here and are vulnerable before you? So right now, I'm just going to give you, man, 20 seconds, 30 seconds to go through the catalog of this week. You probably have things this week you're proud of, and you probably have things this week that you're ashamed of. And I just want to encourage you, if you're going to do real life with God, um, you've, you've got to establish these ha habits and patterns of being honest before Him. So just right now, maybe it's the first time this week, man, just give you 20 seconds to be honest before God about what's going on in your heart and life. Father, we repent of putting our own interests in front of others, Lord. God, we repent for the apathetic attitude we have towards holiness. Father, we, we repent from walking in pride and arrogance that makes us cruel and vindictive. God, we repent uh, for looking down our nose at others and walking in judgment above them. Have mercy, Jesus. God, we repent where we've, we've been so committed to our own sense of rightness that we've not listened to other people. 
Lord, help us to follow the example of Jesus and lower ourselves. Serve those around us. Man, the Son of God put a towel around his waist and washed his disciples' feet before he was crucified. There's no lower level of abasement, right? King of the universe, on his knees, washing the feet even of those who betrayed him. There is none like you. There's none like you, Jesus. God, we are in awe of your humility. Help us be like you, Lord. The Bible says on the night he was handed over suffering and death, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. So when we come forward in a moment, we take the elements, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Let's say it together. Christ has died. Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Amen. Let's stand and come to the table. Guys, communion is open to all who believe. The baskets on the other side, just for those who call Riverstone home, it's your opportunity to financially give to the mission and vision of this church. If you remember, I hope you're participating in that sacrifice to sustain and propel this mission um, that we feel convicted about and on, on mission within the earth. Uh, if you're a guest, please feel no obligation to give. Man, just come forward and receive. Let me pray just a prayer of God's mercy over your heart. If you've been honest before God today, um, and then we'll come forward to the table. Jesus, over all my brothers and sisters uh, who have been honest before you, God, my brothers and sisters who have just been vulnerable, they've, they've taken advantage of this kind of shell of religion and church, and they've actually talked to you, Lord. They've, they've been real about the sin in their life, God. Lord, it's such a joy. Um, when we repent before you, it says heaven rejoices. And I just want to pronounce over your heart, man, if you've been vulnerable before God today, if you've acknowledged areas of pride and sin, his mercy is new every morning. And I just say to your heart right now, be forgiven in the name of Jesus. Receive his peace. Thank you, God. This is what you've called us to do. Help us get in gear, Lord. You've called us to be extensions of your grace to the world around us. Forgive us for just being so preoccupied with our own agendas that we're not extending your love and your mercy to the earth. Have mercy on us, God. Maybe today, God, for the first time, I pray that someone would encounter your grace in more than just words. Uh, would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you shower your love and your grace over our needy hearts in the name of Jesus? And let me pray these things. Amen. This is how we take communion, guys. We form two lines, grab the elements, circle back around to your chair to receive it, and then Gary will dismiss us with a prayer at the end.
I certainly hope uh, some of the words said here today applies to you. One of the things that we try to do here at Riverstone is it's good to have a lot of knowledge and head knowledge, but everything we hear here and everything that is taught here, if we don't apply it to our lives, it, it's really meaningless, you know. So if you feel like, you know, humility is, a, is an area uh, in your life, that you could, uh, you could grow in, and it, you may need some prayer. There are trusted people on either side of the altar here. They'll be happy to pray with you. Um, I want to close by saying this, is that humility is like a muscle in our body. Uh, the less we use it, the weaker we become. The more we train it, the stronger we become. God wants us to be humble because it is a required step in accepting his love. A person cannot accept God as their Lord without humbling themselves first. It is given that a follower of God is not a follower of themselves. So I'm going to urge you to put God first in your life in this area of humility. You know, take a look at yourself. Uh, recognize where it is that you need to be more humble. And if you need prayer, just uh, come up and these people will pray for you. So let's bow our heads and I'll close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you that we're able to come to you, Father, on a daily basis, Father, even though we mess up time and time again, Father, that you're more than willing to, you know, accept our prayer when we ask for forgiveness, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for just uh, selling out for us, Lord. And we pray that our response to you, Father, would be to love you, Father, which is to obey your commands, Father, and to be a representative of Jesus as we walk the rest of this journey called life. We love you, Lord. We honor you. And we just exalt your name in Jesus' name. Amen.